He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 141 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as always by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, good to be back. Yeah, it is. Uh, if anybody would like to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle is at a good talk golf and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Uh, a big show today, so let's crack straight on. Uh, our own games. Uh, I was back on the course for the first time for a while now on Saturday, which was nice. Just a relaxing round of golf up in, in the heat. Uh, didn't really care much for the score. I'm kind of thankful for that because uh, I didn't really score. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, it was funny. I, I Because I haven't played for so long, mm. I had one of those kind of good shot, bad shot rounds where like I'd hit a really good drive. And then I'd make a really horrendous next shot. Mm-hmm. I never quite... And when it all worked, I was giving myself looks for birdies and pars. I wasn't that far off insofar as like when I wasn't scoring on a hole, I was just one shot out of scoring, if that okay. makes sense. So missing maybe a six-footer for, for the single point or three-footer for a point. I wasn't outrageously out of the hole by the third shot. It's not a bad return. Uh, yeah, not a bad return. <coughs> Actually, you know, I think it's sometimes interesting when we think back on the round of golf, you know, kind of in the lead up to this program and kind of after your own game when you kind of think back. I can think of about four or five like absolutely top draw iron shots that I actually haven't hit like that for probably six to 12 months. Mm. Uh, like just the ball flight, the the control, the distance... Like, the problem was, like, I can think of one really well-struck, like, superb six-iron on the fourth, on the par four. Uh, sorry, par five fourth. And the problem was that I had, unfortunately, lost a ball into the rough. I was playing it as a provisional. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but at the same time, I was eight foot, 12 foot from the pin, you know, from 170-odd yards out. Uh, so it was that kind of round of golf where... I made, you know, a silly mistake on the previous shot and it was just that I kept the club face open and then just cut straight across it and away went into the to the gorse on the right. Dropped one down, did the same thing and actually hit a really good shot, connected. So it's there. I just need to go up to the range mm-hmm. and actually hit maybe just even 40 or 50 shots just to get back to hitting you know, 15, 20 really good shots and getting rid of the <laughs> shots. Yeah, the blooper reels. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, any other golf? Or is that it? Or are you getting back in? You're on holidays now, so you're well, going to I'm on holidays like now, crazy. so I've, I've a good few bits kind of leading up now for the next kind of six to eight weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm playing tomorrow in a four-ball invitation on its open week up in the Heath, so I'll play that playing on Saturday and then have a couple of rounds next week during the week and then the weekend and yeah so I'm going to try and get out now kind of two to three times a week it's kind uh, of game ready for the FedEx Cup 
Yeah, well, I've got the I've got the couple of pro ans now in September, so I'm kind of aiming to kind of. I haven't yet. I was looking back on results from last year, and I haven't really hit that part of the season where I I can lose a few shots, and I think it's just because I haven't been playing quite mm. enough. But it's usually around this time that I kind of see a few point twos coming off the score over the next few weeks. So hopefully, if I just play with a bit of um, enjoyment. I'll see then happen. I'm not that far off. I just would like to get back down to 10. Uh, and I'm only a couple over, kind of, I think I'm 10.7 or 10.8 at the moment. So it's not a huge distance to travel back to, to 10. So that's kind of my aim right now is... Mm. I think I think the key to getting the score around, around Drew's Heath is getting a, a solid start. It doesn't have to be an amazing start, but it's you can find yourself very quickly three four five points behind after the first four or five holes it's very easy to fall and and then you're chasing and it's not a course that you can really chase and attack on too much you can pick your spots but you just can't go all out yeah that that kind of happened to me the week you know i i i started relatively okay and then kind of from three four five all of a sudden kind of well sorry three and four and then six you know it was kind of a point here or zero points mm-hmm. there and then you're kind of standing on the the 10th and you've come in with you know eight nine ten eleven points and you don't feel like you've played and i think that's the thing that i find is much disheartening about the heat is that i don't find that i've played that badly and then you look at the score like i went out i had what i think 19 points on the back nine mm-hmm. i just changed my focus i just went let's just try and put one solid nine holes together of of just two points two points two points and you know i had a few chances for a few birdies on the way back but again it was just re kind of calibrating what i wanted from the round and you're right you know but it can be disheartening as well like i'm working on that mental bit of don't give up on the 10th just say okay look you haven't scored on the front. Let's just enjoy the back nine. Yeah, or even don't wait until the tenth to kind of refocus if you've had. You know, it's 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 a good course for teaching you strong men, or sorry mental game lessons. Anyway, that's what I've found this year for sure. But um, I think the problem is that when you, which I always do, is a three block, three hole block. Yeah. You know, and my aim is always to try and get kind of seven points for every three hole block. You know, that's kind of the 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 mental attitude I have on it. And um, the difficulty with that is. <laughs> that, that by the time you get to this the the third three hole block on the the seventh, you're kind of going shit. I need kind of like ten points from this, you know, and and that puts a lot of pressure yeah. at that stage. Oh, it's a, it's a tough one, all right. But you know, a few more rounds of this, try a couple of different strategies. Like, you know, it could find a thing that helps a click or a slightly different strategy might be required for it to heat. You know, it might not work in three hole blocks, it might work in two hole blocks or. I think it's one hole at the moment. Maybe. Block. Maybe. Uh, you were playing Paris Court. You went up last weekend and, and played the East Course. Went to play the East Course and Paris Court. And um, I, the course is in absolutely stunning condition. It's a it's a gorgeous golf course. Um, big mature trees all around. And probably... So for people who might know the course but can never remember which is the East and the West. The East is... Uh, kind of going back down the driveway of the, of yes. the golf club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the right-hand side of the clubhouse and kind of in that corner of, of the of the complex. Yeah, head, yeah heads, heads kind of along the driveway towards yeah. the, the very entrance to the Paris Court Estate. And um, 
rolling golf course, beautiful. Uh, I couldn't do it justice over the airwaves, but definitely worth the look on pariscourt.com, I believe their website is. Um, they're, I'd, I'd have to say those greens are probably some of the top greens I've ever put it on. They were absolutely flawless. Re, like Firm without being unforgiving or crazy, you know, trampoline bounces. Um, it was hard to leave a pitch mark in them. Uh, as we discovered as a whole group the whole day, just, we didn't see many pitch marks out there. But they rode so true and beautiful, beautifully. Uh, it was a pleasure to put on them. Um, I had a yeah, slightly messy front nine. Uh, we were playing just a four-ball better ball match against uh, amongst friends. And had a couple of birdies on the back nine. I think I probably shot to around my handicap on the back nine. I wasn't paying too much attention. But um, it's just nice. I haven't played Paris Court in a while, so it was good to get back out there. More importantly, and I think this is really more interesting for a lot of guys because a lot of people listening are going to be at the business end of the season for them at the moment uh, your match play that's still uh, that, that, that train is still trucking along at, at some pace but yeah, it same. looked like it was you were dead and buried on the on the 11th tee box we were in a lot of trouble Yeah, I had a particularly bad front nine I think I maybe came in for the team on one or two holes as a four ball better ball match play and Sonny, who plays off three, wasn't firing on all cylinders. I think he was maybe five over for the front nine. So we we were both in a bit of trouble. We turned three down, and uh, one of their guys, uh, with a shot on the 10th, made a, a, a par without a shot, so we couldn't match that. So we went four down. But I kind of noticed to Sonny as we were walking up the 10th, just on momentum-wise, like we... We'd played poorly, and I was saying to him, we're only four down, which is which is kind of funny because four down is a long way in match play, if anybody knows uh, that feeling. And I said, look, one of the guys, he's looking a bit tired. Um, he's kind of, I'd say he was in his mid-60s, but you could just tell the body language, he was looking a bit tired. I said, that's going to affect his game. So the other guy might crumble knowing that he's the only one holding the team up. So if we can just, if we can just get our pars in, that might put pressure on them and it could start to affect them. So... Uh, we ended up putting a few pars in in a row, and uh, it put pressure on them. And we won seven holes in a row to win the match three and one. Well, it's great. Uh, it's great achievement because you know it's it's easy for the head to drop, mm. uh, kind of going from ten to eleven, especially where a guy is just parred uh, the the tenth, which isn't an easy hole in in the heat. No, you know, so super like, hot, super par. And, and good course management required, obviously, and with it's four ball. It's not foursome, is it? Four ball, yeah. Four so ball. the best, so the like, best score between you know that that two. in itself is always hard because you'll always find that somebody can either you know your mate might be out of the hole, but you you can still find yourself halfing holes where mm. they're all over the place. So, uh, well, well done. When when is the semi final planned? Do you know your opponents at this stage? We don't yet. No semi final. We've until the third of September to play the semi final. Okay, we got we got our game time. played early, so uh, this is good. Um, happy days match, match play is wonderful and the, the trigger was when I spotted that guy's body language showing a little bit of weakness and I said and it kind of gave us a bit of hope that we might be able to pull it back it was amazing uh, just that little thing kind of gave us a little bit of impetus alright well congratulations and uh, keep us updated over the next few weeks when you get the semi-finals uh, organised and played Let, let's have a look back because we weren't here last week so the 146th uh, Open Championship was taking place at Royal Birkdale over the weekend of the 16th to the 23rd of July and we now know that the champion golfer of the year is Jordan Spieth winning by three shots by Matt Kuchar and uh, 
you know, we can go further back in the field for the moment. But I suppose as a tournament, looking back now with a couple of weeks, it was nearly... It, we, we talked about it the week before, that like Jordan Spieth, he was the favourite going in. Wire to wire, pretty much. I think it was wire to wire, um, mm-hmm. pretty close to it. Um, it was a stunning performance. Right up to kind of Sunday morning, mm-hmm. it looked like there was absolutely no guy who was going to stop him. Talk about a guy who played so badly on the front nine, pretty much up to the 13th, and then just so incredibly well from 14 to 18. And you're talking about momentum in your game with Sonny and in the, the, the match play. What a momentum shift, you know, the, uh, the, the incident on 13, which I suppose we have to talk about. Everybody probably now knows it way out of bounds, you know, not out of bounds, but way off to the right. Eventually the ball was found, then lost, then found again. And then he ends up out by the sky, open zone on the practice range. No yardage, 200 and I think they worked it out at about 213, 230 or something. Yeah, they ended up with um, You know, and what did he hit? Three three iron, four iron to, to short of the bunker. TMB driving irons, TMB three iron. It, we, look, we ha- let's talk about the, that incident first before we go talk about any other aspects of the Open because it is the one that will be remembered. Um, my first thought like on reflection was the absolute... like calmness and presence of mind he had to even ask the question was the range in bounds or in play because for, on most tournaments like uh, Darren Clark was saying in the commentary the range is out of bounds so for him to even think of asking the question was genius in the first place because now he's able to pull the ball back from his bad lie in, uh, in a line and take an unplayable that way and then there was the swinging away from the truck so they're not in the way Um I was just really impressed at how calm he was and he didn't rush. Uh, and, and it's easy, we all know as golfers how easy it is when you're in one of those situations that's a little bit unusual or, or time pressure is applied. You get a bit flustered, you rush, you, you speed things along and you can make a whole mess of, it, mess of the ruling or a mess of the shot. And he just kept his calm. And they'd already been told, move it along there, lads. Well, so we know the whole incident took about 20 minutes mm. to sort out. How much Jordan speaks, we're going to talk a lot this week about caddies and the role of caddies. The importance of a caddy who is able to take that step back and, and calm his player down and say, look, hey, you know, let's get the, the point of where we're dropping this first. Because mm-hmm. you can hit anything from here, you know. Let's try and make the best of a worse situation here. Which he does. He goes and you know he gets up and down from front of the you know behind Excellent. the bunker. Excellent. It's an incredible bogey. bogey. You know any ordinary player, and I, I deliberately use the word ordinary player on in the pro tour and in amateur ranks is probably looking at eight, nine, ten. You know, realistically, because they're probably at a point where they're not thinking through logically. Well, but they, the they probably don't take the drop back on the range. They probably take a two club length drop in the rough, and they end up trying to hack out of the rough to try to get back to the fairway over loads of rough because he was so far right anyway. And possibly that eight, that score of an eight, nine, or ten happens. It's it's what how his thoughts work and his golfing brain works to even come up with the idea that the range 
is a question to ask in the first place. That's so impressive. So, Jordan's doing his thing. Yeah. Marcucho is in the fairway. He's played his second. Mm-hmm. He's got a 20-odd minute wait. How fair is that to Kucher, who at that time was, I think, level with Jordan Spieth in, 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 the, in the major, in the final round? It's not Jordan Spieth's fault, and I'm not suggesting it is, but where does the balance come from finding the ball to making a decision to putting Matt Kuchar, who is kind of the unfortunate bystander in all of this, who's just kind of standing by the green kind of for 20 minutes wondering what the hell's going on while he's kind of knocking around trying to find a place to drop the ball. I had a thought that the referees probably have a lot to answer for there. They should have been an awful lot more efficient. You know, it's I know there's a lot going on. It's way wide of the fairway. They're trying to find a line, but it shouldn't take whatever 17, 20 minutes that it took. That's just, it's a little bit crazy. They need to be kind of whooshing things along a little bit. I know there's people to move, but you, you, can't, you surely can't envisage that whole thing taking longer than six, seven, maybe eight minutes. It's completely unlucky for Kuchar. Unfair in the unluckiness, absolutely. You know, it's just it's just a shit de- it's a shit deal of the cards. Is it something that the RNA or the PGA need to look at that there's a certain amount of time you're entitled to look for your ball? Is there a certain amount of time that they should be on the clock to make a decision as to where it needs to be dropped? The RNA themselves. Well, I mean, I mean, as in the governing body that the RNA and the players have to make a decision within five minutes of locating the ball, you have five minutes to make your decision. But what if it's the incorrect decision, you see, then? They, they probably, they probably should, there should be a little common sense they have to get it done quickly, but um, I don't know. It's a messy one, and it's just because it's so unusual. That's why it took so long, and there's a whole hole of blue. I actually think the fact that it took so long, Speed was in all over the place on Sunday. He's an absolute scramble. That, that time almost allows his head to settle because he goes... Well, this is as bad as it gets now. I'm all it's all over the place. My ball's out here. It's looking like an absolute shitstorm and I've no chance at all. It kind of probably takes any tension and pressure off him and he just relaxes then. Well, surely Jordan Speed at this point is now focusing back to what happened in the Masters last year. All of a sudden he's gonna take as much time as he needs to calm himself down to not do what he did at mm. the Masters and make one mistake, another mistake, another mistake. Um he gets an incredible bogey. And Kuchar misses a good birdie chance as well. That's key. Before Spieth has a chance to make the putt. It's huge momentum. Kuchar nails his putt. Spieth's putt from 7-8 foot becomes much more difficult. And, and I think that, again, you know, Matt Kuchar is, seems a gen. Now, I know I was kind of given out a couple of weeks ago about him on the, on the pre-round, uh, the way that he was acting with, with the commentary teams. But... He seems like he's never going to come out and complain about mm. the 20-minute break. You know, it's not going to... I just wonder how much focus he lost around that putt, and that is the momentum swing. And in fairness, from that point, if we can draw a line now at this point and draw kind of a dotted line under that and say, okay, they walk to the 14th. You know, Kuchar's one up. Like, Kuchar is... Now it's match play. Now it's just try and beat your guy. Jordan Speed then just brings it. You yeah. know, like this is this is just a totally different Jordan Speed from the thirteenth to the fourteenth. The momentum has kicked in. 
all of a sudden there's belief there that maybe this isn't beyond him, even playing that badly, he still has a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Kucher's concentration was broken too much. Like, he goes two under for the next few holes. For for most golfers, that's a really good stretch of holes. And against most other golfers, you're going to be gaining on them. Except Jordan just turns into this absolute monster. Holds everything. Nearly makes a hole in one in his very next shot on the 14th. What do you do against that sort of golf? Like, that's the kind of stuff we used to see Tiger do, you know, to other golfers. Just ruin them in a few holes. And they might not have been, They weren't playing badly. He just and, played. And this is the point that... Perhaps when we talked about this three weeks ago in the lead-up, we hadn't quite got to a point where we were putting Jordan Spieth in that category mm. of player where when the chips are down, when a moment, something happens that, you know, like the famous kind of 16 at, at, at the Masters with a chip in by Tiger on the part three, you know, that there's something happens, something occurs that is just unbelievable that you kind of go on how has he just held a, a 40 foot raker that nobody else has got close to mm. that that's the difference and is that where we see the difference between the top 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 guys and i mean that elite five or six players the ones that, you talk that about are going to go on for yeah. 25 years the ones that you talk, talk about, about in 25 yeah. years time to the next level underneath and that you know nick faldo had it you know Nicholas had it, Tiger had it, where they were able to not be the best, best golfers in the world, not technically the best, but they were able to pull out nearly holding, you know, his next shot on the par three. That unbelievable double-breaking eagle putt on 15. You know, things that ordinarily, if it was a regular kind of Thursday event and it was a Thursday morning, you wouldn't really bat an eyelid. Mm. But in the last couple of holes of a major is that where Jordan Spieth is now showing the signs of a guy who we can pretty much say we're elevating him into that top level of guy that we could be talking about for the next 10, 15, 20 years and saying to kids I remember the Royal Burkdale that putt, that moment that incredible run of holes he's got three majors now he's going to be talked about for 20, 25 years now. He's getting into that. Like He's only one major behind Rory McIlroy, and Rory McIlroy is the hottest golfer of his generation. So, yeah, he's going to be talked about for a long Certainly time. Certainly most talked it's, about anyway. It's incredible. <laughs> what, what, he, what he did is absolutely phenomenal, and I think we'll only be able to properly appraise it in a year or two's time or three years' time when you can actually look back and go, My, you know, you get a bit of perspective of time over it. And we have, what, a week and a half uh, since it happened, it still is shocking. Like to, to, to put in that run of five under par through the next four holes after the debacle on thirteen and all the crap of the holes beforehand that he went through, it's it just shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be statistically possible. But he's that kind of guy. He's got the determination and grit of Tiger in his palm and just this brilliant like I don't know, golfing brain and a and probably wants to get the ball in the hole more than somebody else than the rest of the guys you know he's just got it uh, it's hard to describe uh, I guess I guess that's why we're talking about it because it's hard to put one word or one thing on it up to that point up to that kind of from 13 through to 18 on the final day as a tournament was it doing it for you or 
did really kind of from 13 on elevate this. Nothing was ever going to, to match the previous year with Stenson and Mickelson. Like uh-huh. Nothing was ever going to kind of get to that ding-dong battle. Uh, up to the 13th, as I say, if you, again, draw the line there for the moment, was it a tournament that was kind of a meh? Like, I watched a lot of it and I kind of thought it was a bit meh. A little bit. Before, before they teed off, uh, my thoughts were this is going to be an absolute procession, a bit of a snooze. Um, but, you know, bogeying three of the first four holes or that run, he went, was it three of the first four yeah, holes? Yeah. It started to make it interesting. I think what made it meh for me was that there was nobody else from the pack was trying to reach up and, and get get on, you know, like a cycling race where there's a break, the two are, you know, Kuchar and Speed are the breakaway group at the front and the rest of the peloton. Nobody could make that leap from the peloton to join that breakaway group to get involved in the conversation to go on to win the tournament. That's what kind of disappointed a bit about the Sunday. But then, you know, the, the calm before the storm, of course, it, it got brilliant then and really fascinating and entertaining. Before that, it, it nearly got going. Let's talk about Brandon Grace because... You know, I suppose it wouldn't be right to not mark the occasion of the lowest round in any major men's tournament, 62 by him on the Saturday. The course was there for the taking. Mm. He took it. There was a couple of other guys that had chances to join him. Um, Good guy, I think, kind of, you know, to to get into that one-man club is incredible. Likelihood is that, you know, we're probably going to see the, the, the back broken on this a little bit. I, I kind of feel that maybe yeah. there's going to be a few more now that maybe like your kind of your, your 61s is now going to be really the, the really hard one again. Um, but it was doable. It was there on the Saturday. And, and, and in fairness, they had to go out and do it, and he did it. But it was probably not a huge surprise come Sunday Saturday evening that somebody had the 62 in there. In no, the I mean, yeah, the golf course took a lot of rain on on Friday night, and the wind laid down, and uh, it was there for the taking. And like you like you said, though, credit has to be given to him. He had to go out and do it and score. Um, it wasn't easy. You hold a you know a few good putts. Uh, you know, you always get a, a bit of luck shooting a score that low, and it is what it is. Um, we can have a separate discussion about the course, but um, they were all playing the same course, and you know you got to go out and make the score, uh, regardless of the conditions. Um, thought the we can go on to talk about the course. I wouldn't mind a little bit of discussion about it. Uh, wouldn't have minded to seeing the rough being a bit more punishing. Um, when you see players like Speed taking well. Uh, taking advantage of holes and light rough by actually aiming to hit the rough on holes as opposed to the fairway to eliminate the chances of going into bunkers, you know there's a problem with the rough, that it's not punishing enough. It should have been a little bit more of a punishment. Um, I just don't think... You see, I think... I, I, I don't want to see I don't want to see a rough that somebody has to hack out of, like absolutely gouge out of sideways. I want to see a rough that brings an awful lot of unpredictability into how the ball is going to come out of it. And I just don't think there was enough unpredictability in how the ball would come out of the rough on that golf course. I, I think that we could be easily sitting here looking at Jordan Spieth not being 12 under, but being four over. If you do that with the rough, if you make it longer and then the wind is howling, sure, and sure. then all of a sudden they're hacking out, we'll be saying, do you know what? Was it a spectacle? Like, you know, maybe they need to... You can't cut the rough and hope that it grows back in time for the tournament. You can't leave it long and then try and cut it back 
in the week of the tournament. I'm not talking about a huge change it's, here. I'm just, just a I small think it's marginal, marginal, and I think that it's just the way the British Open or the Open Championship tends to fall. Mm. Um, you're going to have weeks where somebody is going to do that. And, you know, a bit of luck, one bounce the other way, and he could be in a burrow hole. You don't know. Mm. Um, I, I, I quite enjoyed the course. Um, as I say, I thought up to kind of kind of Sunday afternoon, it was a bit of a meh kind of competition. I watched quite a bit of it. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't thinking this is going to go down in the annals of history. I think what happened mm. from 13 on has now elevated it into a different category for well, me. They talked about opens. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think it will be talked about for those incidences mm. rather than anything else. Rory McIlroy, we need to talk about in two contexts. One is in terms of the open. It was an appalling start to the round. Um, it looked like his confidence was absolutely shot. It looked like he was walking back out the, the entrance of that tournament come Friday afternoon. PJ, the caddy, he gives great credit for to you know calm him down, sort him out, and then he goes on this run. A bit like a stuttering car. He kind of at times wanted him to kind of jam it into fourth gear and kind of keep going. And it was kind of like he jammed it into fourth, felt a bit uneasy with it, and then kind of threw it back to third. He never quite got really going. No, he's just a and little bit... And it was bit... so frustrating, because we'll look back in years to come and think, oh, he tied fourth at Royal Birkdale. And yeah, he did. But how many times are we going to look back at tournaments in his career and think, yeah, it was tied fourth, but he never really had a chance at this tournament. Um, no. I think the thing the thing about Rory and why he's so frustrating is because we know he has such a high ceiling and we know that when he is on Rory's level of play he's going to do it and win it I think that's what's frustrating is that we want it so badly for him to achieve that level of play and go out and do his thing and blow away everybody but if you look at how close he actually was from whatever the 6th hole on from the 7th hole on on Thursday he was only one shot worse than Jordan Speed for the rest of the tournament. So he played to the standard of winning the tournament. His problem was he didn't get out of the blocks. Or he, he, did, he came out of the blocks backwards or he ran back. You know, whatever you want, way you want to say it. So for somebody who didn't quite hit his, you know, not, wasn't firing at all cylinders, there's a lot of positive signs there. He's going to be absolutely devastated and that he went, got off to such a bad start. But I think it's going to be a really good thing for him in, if he learns from it in his career that he now knows if things are going wrong like that, all I have to do is think back to that moment and I can turn it around. And look what I did at that tournament. I turned it around and played as well as the, the guy who won the tournament for the last 66 holes of the tournament or 65 or whatever. So that, that's, it's, a good, it's a good thing he can learn from. Um, Rory's a four-time major winner. Yeah. He is one of the best players that the game has ever produced and possibly will ever produce. But are we all just expecting him to be able to come to every event, turn it on, and, as you say, blow away you know, the competition? Which, in reality, there was only one person in my lifetime that was ever able to do that, and that was Tiger. And... Um, Rory hasn't yet got close to that kind of level of invincibility that people all kind of think, well, once he's in this group, I'm going to be playing for a second. 
Jordan Spieth is never going to think that. You know, Dustin Johnson's never going to be thinking that. Uh, Ricky Fowler, you know, all of these guys aren't really maybe thinking, oh God, Rory is here and, you know, we're trying to get up to that point. There's like a plateau and they're all on it. Oh, yeah. And is it that we always want Rory and Jordan and these guys because we want to get that big rivalry of two or three of these big players, which there isn't going to be a dominant player at, at, at this point in golfing I don't think there's going to be a dominant group of players anyway. And this, this idea of the big three, the big four, whatever media outlets want to go with, I think is the biggest out of crap ever. It's just filling column inches with a... But do you, think there is, do you think there is a group that are special? Like what Jordan Speed did from kind of 13 through is special. There's a lot of players that wouldn't ever do what he did. You know, like you oh, know, that's elite. Like that's the, and that's the the thing. There is an elite group within this current golfing group. Yeah, but there's guys that, that are, are elite. Yeah, but there's guys that are making the jump into that elite group. Uh, yeah, you know, no, it's, I, it's, I get it's, that. It's easier to access that elite group now than it was before. I think, but that's because the standard of play is so much higher. So I, I just don't think the separation or the it's that big a chasm anymore to make it to that elite group. But also, the guys in that elite group are maybe not that far ahead of the rest like Tiger was so you know, there's a lot there's a bit more of a flattening but because the group behind you know because well, the quality has got so can good can I ask overall. you this Jordan has now three mm-hmm. you've got Rory who's on one short of the uh, of, of the Grand Slam four majors so is Jordan well, sorry Jordan has four as well sorry well he's one short of the Grand Slam they're both short of the Grand Slam but how what does Rory have to do? Right now, it has to all be about Jordan Spieth. You know, if there's a mantle being held up as the guy who could be the next Tiger, if we use that phrase, it has to be Jordan Spieth. Because right now, he's the guy in the last three years that is, is playing so well, is winning major tournaments, is there or thereabouts in most. And Rory hasn't now won. I think if he doesn't win a major this year, I don't think he's won one in three years. Hasn't won one since 2014. Which is before Jordan Spieth ever came on the game. Uh, like, Jordan Spieth won his first Masters in what, in April 2015? Jordan played, played in his first Masters in 2014. 2014. Yeah, so that was, when, that was the year Rory won his last major. Jordan Spieth won the next two majors after Rory won his last two. You know, so... Who gets there first? Who gets to the Grand Slam first? Well, Spieth has the first chance. This uh, well, all he's going to do but, is win, but, win next week. But is he is he the guy who's going to win it? No. Like, uh, well, I don't I don't think he will. I think there's a, that's that's probably an extra little bit of uh, fire under Rory's backside. And it is quite hollow. It is quite hollow. We're going to yeah, deal with it all next week. Anyway, the last bit about Rory is we now know since. Burkdale that he has now sacked, fired, parted ways, mutual, you know, whatever it is, but the caddy relationship is no longer. He's got his friend from kind of school, Belfast direction, on the bag for the next two weeks. Um, it's a big call, uh, probably not one that anybody is overly surprised about. I'm more surprised at the timing of it. Um, uh, you know, there's been so much written about kind of the mistakes that JP has made over the years, particularly around the Masters. Right now, two weeks, you know, the WGC this week, 
the PGA next week, like it just seems to me like it, it's it's either going to be a stroke of genius or it could be looked back as one of the stupidest decisions he's made at this particular juncture of his career. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he now has the answer to the what if question. What if I sacked JP and got another caddy instead? He's now that doubt's removed from his mind. So, if well, now when you say when you say he's got a new caddy, he's got a guy who's going to carry the bag for him. This guy is not a caddy. Well, he's, he, can, yeah. he caddied for him back in the 2005 Irish Open when Rory was 16. So, I, he's not a caddy, no. But listen, Rory's a smart golfer. Like, like he's Rory, not a pro. He's not a pro caddy, yeah, and he's not going to be out there walking the greens doing all the like it's it's a different level of elite caddying I know to what this guy's going to be doing for the next few weeks he can still buy these yardage books he can go out I'm sure he'll pal around there'll be another caddy will give him a helping hand for the week you know he's not going to be completely blind and and Rory's a smart golfer as well like he's he'll be fine Um, I think if if this thing was niggling in Rory's head like that 1% or 2% was like maybe I do need to get rid of JP or something's just not right here well now now he's done it so that doubt's removed so it, it could be the thing that frees him up completely he's got a friend in his bag he's just going to be relaxed and go out and play it, it could be a great thing it could be an absolute shitstorm catastrophe and his it could all fall apart but well, it's going to be fun watching it what, whatever happens he has the answer to is what if what if I do it so if that question was niggling at him and bothering him and affecting his game it's now removed from the equation. So um, either way, I think we're gonna we're gonna get a clear answer to to success or to failure. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see if this is something an experiment that could go on a little bit longer. Like Speed and Greta. Greta was a maths teacher, and just because Jordan's got on well well with them, they started out, and Greta became a very good caddy and is. We're not gonna say Greta is not a good caddy now. No, I, I'm not. I think he's a but great caddy. I'm, I'm, I think he's learned his and applied his trade many weeks, many months carrying a bag for the guy. Had to start um, somewhere. Week one, he didn't, you know. He didn't start at the WGC at a week before the, the fourth major, <laughs> yeah. going into the third, potentially a third year of not winning a major. I just, it clearly is something that he's decided that I want to have. If he goes out and he plays with the spring in his step, that Rory spring, mm. kind of, you know. Bobbing the, the, along. The bobbing along. If he is going out there and he plays like, to be honest with you, the only thing I wasn't that I was more surprised about was that I didn't hear that Niall Horan was carrying the bag for him this week. <laughs> like that was the only thing that I thought. If I hear Niall Horan is carrying the bag, now I'm in. You know, now he's in real trouble. But I think maybe the only thing about it is that he's decided that he needs to let himself relax and enjoy. You know, because the one thing we can definitely say about Jordan is that they have crack. Like, they, mm. they are... They're bouncing off each other. You know, go get that. You know, you know. there's always fun. There's always a laugh. But at the same time, he knows how to keep him high. Needs to know how to level him. And I just wonder, does, you know, does this guy have... And in fairness, look, he's a mate. And if, my, if, 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 if I was mates with Rory, and, you know, like I'm caddying with Mark in the European Challenge Tour in September... I know absolutely jack shit about carrying the bag, but I don't intend to do anything other than carry the bag. Um, and we're going out to have fun and see how he gets on. You know, I'm I just, just think that maybe that's maybe that's what he's looking for. It's just a bit of crack on play, the bag for a few days and a few weeks. Playing from a fun place, you know. Um, that it could be the little 
bit of little ingredient he was missing. And um, do you know what? Look, if he's pulled the trigger and it's done, um, there must have been a very legitimate reason in his head to do it. And uh, you know, when you have that urge to to follow through and find an answer that you need. And you know you gotta. It's a like you said, it's an unusual time, but it's a brave time. So you kind of have to give him credit for pulling the trigger on the decision. Um, we, I'm actually disappointed we didn't spend at least five minutes. I uh, go get that. Well, that was, that I, was I think I think you know that yeah. it is what it is. I think that's going to be on a lot of t-shirts probably over at the PGA and uh, the WGC. I'm sure that a lot of guys are going and getting that t-shirt that says "Go get that." I actually want to see the videos that he said he saw that inspired that were in his head. That had him pointing and saying, "Go get that." He was saying he saw these videos in clubhouse. I'd love to see those videos. If anybody knows what ones they were, they are, uh, give us a tweet. There has been a lot of other golf. Bernard Langer won the British Senior Open. Congratulations to him. The uh, Scottish Women's was on. There's been a lot of golf, but I think we just moved straight on to the WGC. And anybody who wants to know who won over the last couple of weeks can Google it. Um, we should mention Jordan Smith, actually. You pointed out something very good, that he won the... Uh, he was leader on the European Challenge Tour. He won the European Challenge Tour, raced at Oman, and that uh, in previous years, that's um, there's been a lot of guys who won that have gone on to have very stellar careers, like Tommy Fleetwood, Henrik Stenson, uh, amongst amongst others. So, yeah, t- Tommy Fleetwood, and Andrew Beef Johnson, um, Eduardo Molinari, David Horsey. Like, the list is pretty good, like Johan Edfors. Henrik Stenson, two thousand. Um, so def- you know, definitely Thomas not, Bjorn, nineteen ninety five. Not a fluke win by any stretch, and one to probably watch. Then I guess you know to he uh, he was very impressive in the playoff uh, and throughout. Certainly was, and uh, the young Irish lad McBride, amateur golfer, got a, an invitation to the Porsche European Open, which is the tournament in mm. fairness that we're talking about over in Germany. Uh, got a sponsor's invite, went from the island. Um, Made it through the weekend and uh, you know did not disgrace at all. 70, and, 72, uh, 72, 72, 72. Excellent shooting. And he's pretty much a lock now on uh, on the Walker Cup. Um, don't know what his long term plan is, um, but it will be interesting to keep an eye on on the next generation of Irish players that are coming through. And uh, he certainly seems to be one of them. And um, the LPGA has the British uh, the. Women's British Open is taking place up at Fife in Scotland. It's taking place this weekend, and Barry is going to have a quick rundown at the very top end of the Paddy Power uh, betting. Paddy Power have the betting. Lexi Thompson is favoured at ten to one. So Young Ryu is eleven to one. Sung Hyung Park is twelve to one. Inby Park is sixteen to one. Amy Yang and Minji Lee are twenty to one. Uh, Seyung Kim is 22 to 1, Shashan Feng and Carlos Seganda, along with Inji Chun, are 25 to 1, and the rest of the field are 30 to 1 and out. So they're playing uh, Kingsbarns this week, um, which uh, looks like an absolutely stunning golf course. Kind of built modern Lynx style golf course, uh, kind of with the American tourist in mind. It is uh, a very expensive course to play, but anybody I've talked to that has played it has had nothing but really good things to say about it and how impressive it is so the the ladies will have fun up there this week in Scotland there is the WGC but before we touch on that obviously the WGC is invitational only it's only for the the very top there is a second event taking place next week which is the Bar- uh, Barracuda Championship and I suppose uh, Porrick Harrington there are 28 to 1 and, and there's a couple of it's it really is a, a second tier 
guys um, tournament, Seamus Power, who really has two very big weeks uh, to try and keep a hold of his PGA Tour card, thirty-three to one. He's he's. Do you know what I like? I like the position he's in. Dad was dad um, was great for following the Irish golfers. He said, "Oh, Seamus Power, he's just outside the top one twenty-five." Said if he didn't make twenty-six at the moment. If he didn't make that bogey on blah blah blah, he would have you know been in the top one twenty-five. And I said, "You know what?" It could be a blessing in disguise to not be in there because he he's outside it. It's it's really it's he's not defending a position. He's chasing a position, which and we all know it's a little bit easier to chase than to defend. So I think it's a he's playing some really good golf at the moment. I think it's a it's a great opportunity to get his tour card, but he's also coming from that the nearest possible best position to to hunt that down and get his spot. So. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that while the uh, WGC Bridgestone so, Invitational is going on. That is the big one this week. It's the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. It's taking place at the Firestone Country Club in Akron, Ohio. It is, I suppose, for anybody with an Irish interest, it is where Shane Lowry played those miracle shots last year to go and win it. Two years ago, actually. So two years ago? flies, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> Did you Are lose you sure it's not? I think James lost here. Dustin Johnson won it last year. Uh, well, it's interesting because, um, oh yeah, sorry, the 2015 uh, winner. Why does the European Tour website only have the 2015 winner up? Good old europeantour.com. They, they have not quite got that thing sorted yet, but uh, report, they say they say they're going to get there. It's it's slowly improving. It, it, but yeah, it, yeah, they, they, yeah, they need to do a bit of work. Anyway, WGC, this, let's have a look at the Paddy Power. This field is insane. They're all, they're all out. They're all getting their games ready for next week at Quail Hollow. So... Um, Take your pick from Jordan Spieth, uh, favorite eight to one. Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, nine to one. Then we have Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Hideki Matsuyama, John Ram, Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Matt Kuchar. And um, the list goes on. You know, some really great Justin Thomas, Alex Noren, Brandon Grace, Tommy Fleetwood. It's a stacked field. It's uh, it's a it's an iconic event. But I think it's an iconic event for one Tiger Woods because he won. He just it was his, one of his personal playgrounds. I think he won here seven, eight times, and to the uh, the wa- the water tower um, in the re- very very distinct water tower. Um, the golf course is long. It's uh, seven thousand four hundred yards, par seventy. It's most holes are pretty much straight away, so it requires long, accurate hitting high greens and regulation, and a pretty good week with the putter as well. So just, yeah, you're not going to do well here if your whole all-round game is not in good shape. The other good thing about what I like about the WGC is, though they've been in trouble in the past, they they get to choose what groups go out. Mm. They put them together. So they're obviously a couple of absolute, you know, yeah. top draw uh, groups going out this week. Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy and Jason Day are going off at uh, 10 past 8 local time on Thursday uh, straight after uh, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Hideki Matsuyama and then at 9.10 and 9.20 you got John Ram, Justin Thomas and Adam Scott and then Sergio Garcia, Ricky Fowler and Matt Kuchar like if you want to if, 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 if you're going to take a duvet day oh yeah you know Thursday, Friday of this week is the day to take some duvet days. Watching really the Red Button or PGA it. Tour Live. Um, yeah. like, I don't know which of the feature groups because they all are incredible feature groups. But the thing about these tournaments and what I love about this particular and the WGC and particularly this week is that it 
has all of the, the, the world's best players, it feels like a major. You've got the major coming on next week. Pretty much everybody that's everybody is at this tournament this week. And you're going to get two back-to-back tournaments that hopefully, fingers crossed, live up to the expectation of just a big slug out between... And who wins this week? Mm. Can they follow it on next week? Jordan wins this week. He's going for the hat-trick of tournaments next week. Like it's, it's going to be one of those great events. Any players that, for you, you're going to put money on? Or are you kind of looking at kind of the PGA mainly or what's uh, what's what's your poison this week Barry I've always found this one tricky for me when it comes to betting um, so I like Kevin Chappell played very well last week and came third here last year in his first time out so uh, he he's not a bad outside shout there's um, yeah I'm gonna, I might have a bit of a deeper look at who's uh, driving the ball very well in the last couple of weeks because that really sets you in a good position on this golf course. Uh, that could be the key to finding somebody who's uh, who, who might get themselves in the mix come Sunday. Um, speaking of next week, we there might be a, vis- a vision issue on uh, the PGA Championship that Sky Sports, who we're so used to having golf coverage, have lost it. And BBC now have it. And it seems a lot of the coverage is on the red button, which not everybody has. So... Uh, a lot of publicans. I don't care. I have it. I do too, which is not. I'm not too pushed, but just uh, for those out there, there could be a lot of publicans willing, you know, needing to show the golf and getting a few more golf punters than usual um, who don't have it and may have had Sky Sports, but are losing the vision of the PGA Championship. So, um, it's it's an interesting one. Sky, you know, just after launching their golf channel, like a dedicated golf channel, and then not putting the money behind it to to hold on to the PGA Championship, and there's. There's word that they might lose the Masters as well. It's um, it's almost like talk about egg on your face. You know, they, they it's not ideal that they lost this only a couple of weeks after launching their own dedicated golf channel. And in fairness, them they did such a great job at the Open with the Open Zone and the coverage is brilliant. And then to lose this, it just seems like somebody was asleep at the wheel, or I don't know. It's so it's yeah. A weird so one. just for for people in in. The UK and Ireland on Thursday, August tenth, it's going to be uh, BBC Red Button. You'll also be able to watch it on the BBC Sports website and the BBC iPlayer. Now that's going to be a problem for people who are not in, are the, not UK. in the UK. Um, there is going to be coverage on BBC Two and lots of it on on radio and similar over kind of um, August, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, yeah, look, I, I I don't know quite how it happened, why it happened. Um, I think the go- I think the thing about the, the the Sky Sports Golf Channel is it's always been aimed at much more than just it's it's the Solon Cup, it's the Ryder Cup, it's it's the majors that they did have. They didn't always have the Masters, they didn't mm-hmm. always have the British Open, they didn't always have you know some of these events. It's always been around the European Tour, it's always been around the PGA Tour, and the majors have kind of filtered in. I don't have a huge problem if the if Sky Sports don't have exclusivity on them. Um, because I think they should be co co sponsored or co done. Co broadcast. You know. Yeah. Well, to, to, to get the to wider audience, I yeah. Completely agree. And like, if if you want to pay for your your Sky Sports, like we do, and you want to watch it on Sky Sports, watch it on Sky Sports. If you want to watch the Masters, like we sometimes used to on the BBC, 
watch it on the BBC. What I, I don't see a problem with that. What I worry about is that Sky do their golf week in, week out, so they're, they've become a highly polished outfit, and the presentation of the show is brilliant. The BBC don't do golf that often, and I just worry that it'll smack of amateurishness or just not somebody who's been used to doing it consistently and we're just going to get a substandard broadcast and that's what's going that's what's got me worried a little bit i like the idea that it's going out to a wider audience i think that's brilliant for golf i just wish there was this kind of co well to be yeah, fair broadcast. to be fair the to be fair the only bit that they can really screw up is the commentary and the studio part which because, is a lot of well no show, because like. because we always used to say that the BBC didn't maximize the camera technology the angles mm. at the British Open where the sky are just superb at that they are unbelievable about being able to to film and show These live These guys golf. know what they're doing. The BBC obviously. are going to be taking the feed from the states. So in that respect mm. I'm less problematic. But at the same time look you know yeah they, they they don't do a week in, week out, but like, you know, Peter Ellis and the guys that have been there for, for a long time, you know, if they put the right people and if they get the right people, you know, if it's a one off event and they bring in the likes of, you know, guys who aren't uh, contractually obliged to remain with Sky, mm. you know, my fear is we're going to see Colin Montgomery back on the TV next week. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing that we'll see. But I'm going to, I'm going to keep an open mind. I don't care. Look. Worst case scenario, I watch it on the TV, I mute it and I listen to, you know, commentary from another broadcast or I, 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 I stream whatever, not stream, I um, listen to like, you know, internet radio from the States doing the commentary or something. It, it's not going to be a big problem. As long as we get to see the golf shots, that's all we really care about. But uh, the commentary was, was a cherry on the cake. Anyway, um, that's uh, pretty much us for the week. I think so, yeah. A big week, a lot. And there was a lot that we could have talked about that we didn't even get close to. So uh, we've we'll have another pack show next week, looking at Quail Hollow and the uh, the, the PGA Championship. Uh, I'm going to go pretty much from here to the couch for the next four days, um, and uh, I suppose I'll work, talk to you next week. Work on your mental preparation. Yeah, I yeah. suppose. Oh God! Well, I should say our Twitter handle is <laughs> at a good talk golf. Our email is a good talk spoiled at gmail I'm James Richardson, he's Barry O'Hanrahan. Thank you all for listening and we'll talk again next week. Bye bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye bye.